0: and I'm so thankful that you're listening in with me today at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's word, transformed by the love of Jesus and moved by his mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, Today I'm talking about something I think we can all wrestle with, and that is our identity or worth. Our big idea is that in order to stay rooted in Christ, we need to know who we are and whose we are. I can't wait to share today's episode with you. So let's get started. Well, welcome again to Root Like Faith today. I am flying solo, and so Ruth is not on the episode today, and I don't have any guests to interview, and so you're just getting me today. Um, but I am so thankful that you are joining me and I want to just say thank you up front from Ruth and I. We have been so encouraged by um, so many of you that have reached out and just said thank you for the podcast or have just shared different ways that God has been speaking to you or encouraging you or comforting you. And so we're just really grateful for you joining us on this journey and for just the different ways that that God is is working through this podcast Um, So I'm excited today, though, to dive in and to talk about this theme of worth and identity and value. Um, I think it's so important. I was thinking earlier, You know, I'm 45. I'll be 46 in February. By the way, if you want to mark your calendars, uh, February 27th is my birthday, and I uh, have the spiritual gift of receiving. And so, if you want to, anyway, you you get my point. February 27th. But I'm 45 (laughs) right now, and I was thinking earlier about how, you know, I can wrestle with all of the same things that I wrestled with when I was 12 or 13. I mean, just you know, some of the insecurities and the desire to to have people's approval or acceptance. I mean, sometimes I just feel like we're all you know, like just a bunch of oversized junior hires, you know, wrestling with, with a lot of the same heart issues and wanting to be loved and accepted. And, and you know, and so it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been following Jesus. I think this topic of identity and, you know, finding our worth and our value is so important for us. And as we think about what it means to root our life in Christ, it's so important for us to know who we are and to know whose we are, to know that we are loved by God and to know that we are God's son or God's daughter. You know, we've said in previous episodes that, you know, Jesus came to give us life. I mean, John 10.10 Jesus says, I came to give you life and a life more abundant. I mean, that's what God wants for you. It's what he wants for me. He created us. He made us. Our heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. In other words, we can go out looking for satisfaction and joy and meaning and significance in all other places, but we'll never be fully satisfied until we come into a relationship with the God that created us. And so God made us to experience life. He made us to know him and to love him and to serve him. We're His image bearers, and He made us to flourish. He made us to experience the good life, the abundant life. And you know, when we choose to find our worth or our value somewhere else, when we choose to live outside of His love, being the truest thing about us, then we don't experience that abundant life, that good life, or that flourishing life. And so I think it's really just such an important topic for us to continue talking about. You know, We can struggle with it just as much today as we did maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and so I want to talk about that theme today that to be rooted in Christ, we need to know who we are and whose we are. We need to know that we're loved by God and that we are his son or his daughter. You know, there's so many things I think in our life that, that shape us in the wrong way. Um, so many different ways, different, you know, conversations or experiences, or maybe people that, that really have a profound influence on who we are. And so when it comes to, to finding our worth and our value and our identity, In God's love for us and His acceptance of us, it can be really hard because we kind of have to undo sometimes all of the different things that have happened to us or the influences we've had in our life. And so there's this this reformation sometimes that that needs to happen in the Christian life. And so I mean, just think for a moment about your own personal story. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever just taken time where there was you know an hour or or a morning and you just kind of map out you know you know key events that happened during your life or meaningful events and, and how you interpreted those events and then how that has shaped you either in a good way or a bad way. It's part of kind of mapping out your personal story. But you, know, when you think about your own personal story and the experiences you've had, the family you grew up in or the parents you had or the friends you had, I mean, all of those things really do shape who we are, how we see ourselves. Um, it can have a big impact on our identity and you know, our worth, our sense of worth and our value. And so, you know, just think for a moment about your parents, you know, what kind of parents did you have? You know, were your parents present? Uh, Were they active in your life? Were they encouraging? Did you have their approval? Did they tell you often that they loved you, that they were proud of you? Or did you grow up in a home where maybe your parents, you know, you, you didn't have both parents, you grew up in, in a single home, or maybe you grew up without parents, you grew up with a, with a relative or maybe you had parents and they weren't attentive. They they were distracted, or for a variety of reasons, they they were gone a lot. Um, you know, maybe it was a a difficult um, marriage that your parents had, and so there was lots of conflict in your home. I mean, how you um, were shaped had a lot to do with the kind of parents you had. Or think about the the dynamics in your home, for example. I mean, what kind of home did you grow up grow up in? I mean, what, what's one word? that you would describe the the atmosphere of your home. You know, if you could tell a friend this is the kind of home I grew up in, what is one word that you would use to describe your home life? Um, you know, was it a warm home? Was it comfortable? Was it safe or was it volatile? Was there lots of conflict? Was it dangerous? Was it cold? You know, those are ways that that we get formed, we get shaped and And we are being, in many ways, um, shaped in those early years long before we even realize it. Or, you know, another way, think about your friends. I mean, think about the friends you had in elementary or junior high or high school or even the friends that you have today as an adult. Um, I mean, your friends can oftentimes have a big impact on your sense of identity or your worth or your value. And so oftentimes, those parts of our personal story really do shape us inform us in powerful ways sometimes in really good ways and sometimes in really harmful ways and so as we as we think about this theme today of our identity and our worth and our value oftentimes we're really working against our own personal story and what God wants to do is he wants to take that personal story of yours Um, And he wants to redeem it. He wants to transform it. And so no matter what kind of parents you had, no matter what kind of home life you had, no matter what kind of friends you had or, or different experiences, what God wants to take is he wants to take your personal story and he wants to redeem it. He wants to now shape who you are and how you see yourself, not based on your parents or your friends or your home life, but he wants you to, to know who you are based on what he says about you. And and he wants you to know that you are loved and that you are accepted and that he is for you. He's not against you. And that his love for you is safe and it's secure because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And, so much of what God wants to do, He's He's really reforming and remaking our, our personal story. And I think that's what makes growth so difficult, is oftentimes we're really working against a lot of years of being formed, maybe in the wrong way. And so that's what God wants for you. It's what He wants for me. And God is so gracious to to continue doing that over the course of our lifetime and giving us grace to to see those areas and um, just to experience uh, life change and and God he, what he starts in us he, he does bring to completion. And so this area in particular I think is so important for us. it's so foundational. you know if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter three and I want to look at a, at a passage of scripture I think is really important. you know uh, our kids when when they were growing when they were younger, um, you know we'd oftentimes let them try out multiple sports and then as they got older, um, just because we had four kids and, and because of cost and time, we, we really um, you know, had our kids sort of uh, focus in on a particular sport or activity. And so but when they were younger, we, we allowed them to kind of play different things, be involved in different things. And, um, our oldest son, Tyler got involved in football. Now, if Ruth were on the podcast today, she would tell you that that was my idea and not hers. And she's not here to defend herself. So it's a bit unfair for me to, to say too much about that. But all that to say, we had different ideas about Tyler playing football and, uh, he only played for a couple years and, and uh, by God's grace, now he, he pursued golf a much, much safer sport than football. But in those early years when he was playing football, he was actually very, very good all of our kids are very athletic, and he, he excelled. He's a smart kid, and he just picked it up very very quickly. And he was playing um, quarterback, and, and he got selected to be the starting quarterback, and he just was doing a great job. And I'll never forget one particular game. It was cold out. It was rainy. I mean, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and it was like classic Soldier Field-type temperature and and atmosphere. And if you're not a football fan, I know you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. So just entertain me for a moment. But it was like classic, you know, Chicago Bears soldier field environment. It was cold, it was rainy, it was kind of turning to snow. And he just had a terrible, terrible first half. I mean, he fumbled the ball probably five, six times. And it got so bad that that there were, you know, parents that were kind of standing on the on the sideline. And you know how that goes as a parent when you when you start hearing other people, other parents, you know, commenting on your kids, there's something sinful wells up inside of you. So all of those things were going on. And I remember that, that finally the, the coach called a timeout and he pulled Tyler out of the game and, and Tyler, when he came off the field, instead of coming in and standing with the team, he went off to the sideline and his coach said a couple things to him. And then he stood about 40 feet from the rest of the team. And I remember seeing him standing there and I could see from a distance that he had tears coming down his eyes and, and he was just standing at a distance from the rest of the team. And I remember watching him and I finally walked over to him and, and I you know, gently took him by the face mask and I looked him in the eyes and I said, son, I don't care if you fumble the ball seven more times, you're my son and I love you, go stand with your team. I mean, it was like a real Hollywood moment. I, I mean, I, I wanted him to know that it doesn't matter whether you throw seven touchdowns or you fumble the ball seven times, like I'm your dad and I'm still for you and I love you. You don't need to be ashamed to be my son and you don't need to be ashamed to be with your team. And so go be with the rest of the team. And I don't know about you, but, but so many times in life when we fall short or when we fail or when we think about our life and think about regrets, you know, all of us, I think, can slip into that attitude of, of, of those feelings of, of worthlessness or feeling um, rejected or, or feeling less than, or we struggle to, you know, find our, our, our identity and our security um, in what God says about us. And I think it's such a reminder that, that we have to keep looking to the cross. We have to keep looking to Jesus in what he did for us, that biblical identity is something that is received. It's not earned. Um, You know, biblical identity, our worth and our value is not something we go out and earn, but it's something that is freely given to us. And I think Matthew chapter three is such a good picture of that. It's, It's such a great example of that. Um, and it's something I think we need to keep coming back to as again, we can all struggle with worth and value and, and placing our identity in the wrong places. But if you have your Bible, unless you're driving, um, pull out Matthew chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. I love this passage. I think it's a passage we had to come back to often as we think about identity and worth and value. But we read the story of Jesus's baptism, and this is early on in Matthew's Gospel. This is before Jesus goes out and, before he's led into the desert and before he's tempted by the devil, uh, before he is teaching about God's kingdom, before it, this happens, before uh, he's rejected by the religious leaders. Uh, this happens before he's betrayed by some of his closest friends. It's before he goes to the cross. But what he gets in Matthew three is he gets his father's approval. Um, he, he has heaven speak over him, and I love this passage because it's such a reminder of what we all need um, at the core of our identity is God's love, God's acceptance. And so Matthew three says this after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I love that. If you are a follower of Jesus, then what God, the father says over Jesus, he says over you. I mean, again, this passage is about Jesus getting ready to go out and to start his public ministry, and what you see is that the heavens are torn open, and the Spirit of God descends on Jesus, and God the Father speaks over God the Son, and God the Father says, this is my Son. I love Him, and with Him I am well pleased. And in a very public way, Jesus has given God the Father's approval, and I love that picture again, because if you and I have placed our faith in Jesus, if we've placed our trust in him, if we've turned from our sin and turned to Jesus as our savior, then what God the father says over Jesus, he says over us, he says to you and I, you are my son or you are my daughter and with you, I am well pleased. I mean, that is the truest thing about you and I, that we are loved by God. We are accepted by him. We are forgiven by him and that he loves us and he is for us. He is not against us. I mean, that, that's the gospel. That's the good news that by our faith in Jesus, God loves us, forgives us, washes us clean. And, and that love and acceptance and approval is secure. There's nothing that can sever us from God's love. And so I just love that picture. I think it's a passage we ought to come back to over and over again as we sometimes struggle with approval or misplacing our identity or our worth. And so I want to just really quickly Highlight a couple terms, because again, I think this idea of identity and worth and value is so important in the Christian life. And in order for us to be rooted in Christ, we need to remember who we are, that we're loved by God, and whose we are, that we are his son or we are his daughter. And yet every day we, we have the choice to either live out of that reality or to try to go find our identity and our worth and our value somewhere else. So you know, there's, there's a variety of ways of thinking about that and looking at that. And, and sometimes authors will use the language of, of your false self and your true self. And so just maybe one simple way of thinking about those two, those two terms is your true self is who you really are, and that, that's you know, who God says you are, uh, that you're his son or you're his daughter. I mean, your true self is who you really are, where your false self is who you pretend to be. So your true self is that you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, and that value, that worth, that was given to you. Where your false self is who you and I can pretend to be. It's who we are trying to be, we're we're faking it, we're putting forth some kind of image or perception out into the world. And that's an that's a value, that's a worth that we have to go out and work for. We have to earn that. And so each day we have this choice of whether we're going to live out of our true self or our false self. And so What God wants for us, if we're going to experience that that good life, that abundant life, that flourishing life, is for us to live out of a place that is consistent with what God says about us. We have to live out of our true self. We have to to remember who we are and whose we are. That we're loved by God, and that we are God's son or God's daughter. Now, here's just really quickly a couple maybe characteristics of the false self and some characteristics of the true self, and then I'm just going to give us some. Some really quick practical takeaways, but here's some characteristics of what it looks like when we're living out of our false self and see if any of these maybe strike a chord with you. But sometimes when we're living out of our false self, we're really motivated or driven in a really unhealthy way. And so obviously there's, it's good to work hard and to be ambitious and to be driven. So what we're talking about here is this unhealthy sort of obsessive need to succeed this drive this unhealthy ambition that sometimes can be rooted what's underneath that is that we're really trying to succeed so that we feel better about ourselves or so that other people you know view us as more valuable I mean that that's sort of a characteristic of what it looks like to live out of the false self um you know trying to prove uh, ourselves you know if you're always trying to find somebody's acceptance or you're, you're looking for their approval. I mean, those are ways that, that we're living out of our false self. Um, you know, we find our worth or our value in maybe our success, uh, how much money we make, uh, the kind of house we live in, the material possessions we have. I mean, we live in a culture that is very consumeristic. And so oftentimes that that cultural value can influence who we are in, in the false self. And so as a result, um, we begin to form an identity and our worth and our value, uh, in really dangerous ways based on our success and our looks and our material possessions, our house, our car. I mean, there's just so many examples of that. Those are all characteristics of what it looks like when we're living out of our false self. Now, our true self is when we're really at rest, right? So when you you think about a characteristic of what it looks like to live out of being a son or a daughter of God, it it means that there's just a restfulness about you. Have you ever been around somebody that they just seem really at peace? I mean, they're just very secure. They're not easily rattled when they fail or when they're wrong or uh, when they don't succeed like they thought they were going to. They're just a person that you would describe as being at rest, that they're at peace, they're secure, or maybe somebody who's just very emotionally healthy, they're, they're not overly needy or dependent on other people. I mean, that's somebody who is living out of their true self. They, they know who they are. They know that they're loved by God, they're accepted by Him, and, and that nothing can take that away. And so there's just a, a safety about them, a security about them, a joy about them, a peace about them. Now, those are just maybe a handful of ways of identifying what it looks like to live out of a false self or our true self. And so as we close today, I want to just offer maybe a couple practical ways of, of you know, how we can stay rooted in Christ, how we can find our worth and our value in him. And how we can live out of a place of of just letting his love and his acceptance really ground us. And so, you know, one of those ways that I think is really important for us to remember just very practically is to pay attention to what makes you feel most exposed or vulnerable. So just think for a moment about the ways that maybe you feel exposed or vulnerable, like pay attention to how you respond when you fail, what's going on in your heart when you fail. When you feel vulnerable in that way or pay attention to, to the next time you're wrong, you're in a staff meeting or a work meeting or you're with some friends or family members and your perspective is proven wrong or what you are sharing ends up not being true. I mean, pay attention to not only how you fail, but pay attention to the times that you're wrong. Or here's another just very practical example, like pay attention to the next time somebody posts a picture on Facebook or Instagram, and it's some of your girlfriends or some of your guy friends, and you notice that they went out and you didn't get invited, you weren't there. Like, What's going on in your heart? What gets exposed in that moment? And so one thing we can do as we're thinking about rooting ourselves in Christ and remembering who we are and whose we are is number one, we can pay attention to what makes us feel exposed or vulnerable. Now, here's the second practical takeaway. Pay attention to what you are most proud of or how you like to be thought of by others. So at some point today, just you know, maybe take some time and, and get alone and, and just sort of ask that question, like how do I like to be perceived by other people? I mean, how does that look on social media? What does that look like in the office? What does that look like with my friends or my family? Like what is that image that I'm projecting to the world? How do I like to be thought of by others? That can be a clue into whether you're really living out of your true self or whether you're living out of your false self, whether you're really living consistently with who God says you are and what he thinks of you, or if you're trying to earn that in some way. Now, here's a third way, and I think this is the most important, is that we need to always remember the gospel. We need to come back to what Jesus has accomplished for us. We need to, we need to look to the cross. And we need to remember that, that Jesus really did die for us. He rose again. And when we place our faith and our trust in him, God forgives us. He washes us clean. And God says about us that we are his sons and we are his daughters, that he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. I love Romans chapter 8. You know, Paul says in Romans 8 that, that um, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that we are his son or we are his daughter. And so the job of the Holy Spirit is to always be testifying to what is truest about us, the most true thing about us, that we are God's son or God's daughter. And sometimes it's so much easier to hear other voices. And so we need the voice of God. We need the Holy Spirit we need his voice to be the loudest voice in our life and the holy spirit is always pointing us back to jesus he's pointing us to what jesus has done for us and what he's accomplished for us that that we have been accepted and forgiven by God the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. And the Spirit of God resides in us. He lives in us, and he's always testifying. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Um, He loves you. He's for you. He's interceding for you. And so we need to just keep coming back to the good news that God is for us and not against us. You know, I hope that, that that is an encouragement to you today. I know, as I said at the very beginning, it can be a struggle no matter how long you've been following Jesus, no matter how old you are we can all wrestle with this theme of of finding our identity or looking for identity somewhere else or trying to find our worth or our value somewhere else. And so we, we really need to come back to that main idea that real biblical identity is something that is received, it's not earned. And in order to be rooted in Christ, we really do need to remember who we are and remember whose we are. And so my prayer for you today is that you would remember that you are loved by God and that you are God's son or God's daughter, and that that truest thing about you would give you rest, it would give you peace, it would give you security, and that you would be unmoved by your failures, you'd be unmoved by your successes, you'd be unmoved by people's approval and what would matter most to you. And for you is that you already have God's love and approval. If you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Well, I hope that you've appreciated our conversation today. Uh, I want to thank you again for, for joining me on the podcast today. And as always, I want to encourage you to go to our show notes on rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and at Ruth Schwenk or on Facebook And as if I don't say it enough already, we are just thrilled that you are joining us and we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. And so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts so that you don't miss an episode.